Good evening, everybody. My name is Malcolm Duncan. I have the privilege of leading the church here at Dundonald Elam, and I'd like to welcome you if you're joining us online, as well as those of you that are in the room. Thanks for taking the time to be here tonight. I'd like you to turn to two portions of the Bible with me, please. The first is Isaiah chapter 40, it's a portion in the Old Testament, and the second is in the New Testament, Romans chapter 15. Isaiah chapter 40 and Romans chapter 15. The book of Isaiah was written around 750 years before Jesus Christ was born. And Isaiah, trying to offer comfort and hope to God's people, said these words. We pick them up in verse 27. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord and my right is disregarded by my God? Have you not known, have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not grow faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and strength to the powerless. Even youths will faint and be weary and the young will fall exhausted. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Romans chapter 15. The Apostle Paul, converted after the death and the resurrection of Jesus, writes to the believers in Rome, a city where Paul would eventually die for his faith. And after having encouraged them to remember that the good news of Jesus is for Jews and for Gentiles alike, for all of the world, he says this to them in verse 13. May the God of all hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. God always blesses the public reading of his inspired and his infallible word. May the God of all hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to take a few moments and talk to you about hope the gift that keeps on giving, hope that can sustain you in the darkest and most difficult of places if you will let it, a hope that never runs out, a hope that never runs dry, a hope that is easy to find if you look in the right place. We live in a society where there is a paucity of hope, a society marked by hopelessness on the left and on the right. Teenagers that think that they're never gonna get anywhere because something a teacher said to them or a parent said to them. Marriages that are on the brink of destruction with husbands and wives looking at one another saying, what's the point in trying to do anything about this? Phrases like, what's the point? Or there's nothing that we can do. Or there's no way out. Or nothing will ever change our circumstances. Abound. There's a sense of despair and hopelessness that can rise in our media and our television programs, in our arts, in our paintings, in our literature, in uh, 
movies, wherever you look, the sense of despair and despondency. Here in Northern Ireland, we have some of the highest rates of suicide in the world. North Belfast has the highest rate of suicide in the world for men aged between 25 and 55. A little tiny triangle of the planet where people seem to hit despair and hopelessness. What do we say into such situations and such circumstances? What could God say into them? What might he want to say? As I was reflecting on what I might want to say to you tonight, as I thought about the paucity of hope, I was drawn to one particular song in particular. I said particular twice, particularly. There's it four times. It's from... Les Mis, you will know the song very well. This woman called Fontaine in the story has lost everything. She's lost her dignity. She's lost her child. She's losing her health. She's lost her friendships. She's lost her family. She's lost her job. She can't get any lower. And in the story written by Victor Hugo, she ends up dying in abject poverty. But in the musical, she sings a song that was made famous by the musical, but then made famous again by Britain's Got Talent, with that woman whose name escapes me, singing it three or four years ago, the Scottish girl, what's her name? Susan Susan Boy, you all remember that. When she stood up and sang... There was a time when men were kind, when their voices were soft and their words were inviting. There was a time when love was blind and the world was a song and that song was inviting. There was a time Then it all went wrong. I dreamed a dream in days gone by when hope was high and life was worth living. I dreamed that love would never die. I dreamed that God would be forgiving. Then I was young and unafraid and dreams were made and used and wasted. There was no ransom to be paid, no song unsung, no wine untasted. But the the tigers come at night with their voices soft as thunder as they tear your hope apart, as they turn your dreams to shame. Then at the end of the song, she sings these words that I just find so moving. I had a dream my life would be so different from this hell I'm living. So different now from what it seemed. Now life has killed the dream I dreamed. I don't know about you, but I am profoundly moved by those lines. I meet people every day in those circumstances whose lives were once 
filled with hope, with possibility, with dreams and yearnings and longings. That something happened, someone said something, someone betrayed them, someone hurt them. They made a mistake. They got themselves into bother and everything cascaded around them. Is it possible? Is it remotely possible that God can pick up the mosaic pieces of a life and give it back hope? As a minister of the Christian gospel, I don't really think that's possible. I think that's what he promises to do. Will anyone, anyone who will come to him with anyone that will give him a chance, that will turn over to him the keys of their lives. And tonight I want to encourage you to do that. To think about what God might do with the broken pieces of your life or my life. What he might do with our mistakes, with our feelings, with our longings, with our yearnings, with all those abject shards of life that lie around us so very often. If there is a paucity of hope, then at the heart of the Christian gospel, there is a possibility of hope. Not a certainty. That depends on what you do with it. But a possibility of it. You heard it in the words that I read to you from Isaiah chapter 40. He was speaking into a culture and in their context where there was strife and uncertainty and political upheaval, where the poor were being marginalized and taken for granted by the rich, where society was beginning to break down, where it was a kind of dog-eat-dog situation. And he says, even, we, even yous will grow weary and faint, and young men will fall, but those who wait in the Lord, in Hebrew, those who hope in the Lord, will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings as eagles. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. The Apostle Paul prays for the people that are receiving the letter that he sends to them. People who are facing death because they're followers of Jesus. People in Rome whose future is uncertain, whose external circumstances are broken and fractured, whose lives have been limited and curtailed because of their allegiance to Jesus who are being laughed at and mocked and ridiculed just 50 or 60 years after they received Paul's letter in Rome, the first specific persecution broke out. Within a very short period of time after he'd written the letter under the emperor Nero, Christians were beheaded and tarred and used as human torches around the city of Rome. Why? Because they believed in Jesus. Paul could see the increasing turmoil and uncertainty and challenges that the Christians in Rome were facing. And he said, this is my prayer for you. May the God of hope fill you with all hope and believing so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. He wrote another letter to a group of people in a city called Corinth. And in chapter 13 of the first letter that we have in our scriptures from him, he talks about three virtues. He says, faith, hope, and love sit at the heart of Christian faith like a triad that hold it together. Hope isn't only an idea, it's a possibility offered to all of us. The American author 
Emily Dickinson once said, hope is the thing with feathers that perches in the soul and sings the tune without the words and never stops at all. What is this hope that I'm talking about? Is it a kind of aspiration? Is it an unspoken um, kind of cross my fingers, touch wood, it'll all work out, I hope. Is it a kind of, I hope the weather will get better tomorrow or I hope you have a nice day? No, it's deeper than that. Christian hope isn't rooted in our circumstances. It isn't rooted in what happens around us. It isn't rooted in what people say to us. It isn't rooted in the, 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 the journeys that we have to walk through. It's rooted in someone else. It's rooted in Jesus Christ. Have you ever been with a group of people who have lost the ability to sing? I've been in circumstances on a number of occasions where people have been facing hopelessness around the world. But I think the most traumatizing was an occasion when I walked into an orphanage where children have been abandoned for years and years and years. And what you expect to hear is crying. What you expect to hear is the hustle and bustle of young children who have nothing left but are hungry or are distressed or are unhappy. There was no sound. Just silence. The occasional sigh or moan. Children who had lost hope. In the Old Testament, the story is told of the people of Israel who had been taken out of uh, Jerusalem and Israel and Judah and taken into captivity in modern-day um, Iran. And one of the Psalms says this about them. At the rivers of Babylon, we sat down and wept. Goes on to say this. We hung our harps on the trees. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? If you've lost the ability to sing, I don't mean physically, but if you've forgotten the song in your life, then you're in a perilous condition, friends. You're in a condition that is dangerous, and I urge you to listen to what God might say to you tonight. Because it's possible to sing again. It's possible to hope again. It's possible to live again because it's possible to start again. One of the most damaging things that was ever said to me was as a young man, as I was leaving a particular uh, ministry context to go off and do some further study and one of the people that I had been working with said to me, you'll never make it. You're never going to amount to anything. Somebody that was with him said, that's not a very hopeful thing to say. I'd made a couple of mistakes, not significant ones. I just made a couple of mistakes in that ministry that I was involved with. I hadn't morally failed. I hadn't made a disaster of life. I just made a couple of mistakes that you would have made. Preaching too long. <laughs> you say, you're still doing that, Malcolm. <laughs> just things that any young pastor makes mistakes in. And as this wise old man tried to defend me, he turned to the fellow that had said to me that I would never make anything of my life. And he said, that's a very unkind thing to say. Are people not allowed to make mistakes? 
And this fella in my hearing turned and said, a leopard never changes its spots. I can think of nothing more antithetical to the Christian gospel than the idea that you can't change. I don't care how many mistakes you've made. I don't care whether you're watching online or in this room, how many times you've got it wrong, how many times you have fallen, how many times you have looked at yourself in the mirror and said, don't, am I ever going to learn? God is a God of hope. And he can take our mistakes, he can take our errors of judgment, he can take the things that we get wrong, and if we will give them to him in an attitude of humility and grace, he can do something remarkable with them. If you're beginning to feel your heart beat in your chest as you listen to my words and think, could there possibly be hope for me to start again? Could there be hope for my marriage? Could there be hope for my relationship? Could there be hope for me and my son or me and my daughter or me and my mom or me and my dad or me and my brother or me and my sister? The answer is yes, there can be. But it has only one source. If there's a paucity of hope in our society and there's a possibility of hope in Christian faith, then there's only one provider of that hope. His name is Jesus Christ. In Romans chapter 15, verse 13, as I read it to you again, you hear that, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Where does this hope come from that can give you the energy and the strength to get out of bed tomorrow and to try again and the next day and the next day and the next day? It comes from what God has secured for us on the cross. When his son died, he took our hopelessness, he took our mistakes, he took our failings, he took our regrets, he took our despair, he took our longings, he took our broken pieces and carried them all. And he offers us life and joy and hope tonight. You have no idea how many people, how many times I've heard people say to me, there's no hope for me. There is one group of people for whom that is true. Those who don't know Christ. If you're not a Christian tonight, you can find temporary hope in lots of places. You can be a churchgoer and find temporary hope in church, but it'll not last. You could find hope in saying your prayers, but they'll not last. Singing songs, but it'll not last. Giving, but it'll not last. Reading your Bible, but it'll not last. You could find hope in trying harder and harder every time you fall. Get up with a bit more determination and try a bit harder. It'll not last. You can find hope in being good. You can find hope in being self-righteous. You can find hope in changing your friendship circles. You can find hope in digging into your reserves a bit, but it will not last. The only hope that lasts is the hope that God gives. And the hope that he gives lasts because it comes from someone who went to the very pit of hopelessness and came out of it the other side, carrying hope as a trophy. You might find hope at the bottom of a bottle, a bottle for a while. You might find hope at the end of a needle or in a bank balance or in a deal or in making a lot of money or in buying a new house or driving a posh car or um, inventing a new product. But it's all temporary. 
I have a friend who's an evangelist and many years ago he had taken a funeral and he was listening to the people talking at the end of the funeral. It was one of those funerals where the family were gathering a little bit like vultures, you know, to find out what they were going to get left. I'm sure you've um, heard of them if not being involved in them. I've been involved in them a couple of times. And there were distant cousins who had never seen this person who didn't even know their story but they were gathering And um, one of the friends of the family, a close family friend who wasn't going to inherit anything, heard the cousins talking. What did he leave? What did he leave? What did he leave? What did he leave? And the friend turned and said, everything. There are no pockets in a shroud. I'm talking about hope that will take you through death itself and out the other side. Hope that is indestructible. Hope in the dark. Hope in the despair. Hope in the face of death. In the Old Testament, there's a story of a man called Job. And here is what is said in chapter 8 of Job, verse 13. The hope of the godless shall perish. If you're not a Christian... When you reach the end of your life, you will be in the most hopeless situation of all. And all that you've achieved in life will amount to nothing as you stare into eternity. Conversely, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, then you can walk through the hardest terrain in the world and still have hope. You can face the worst news and still have hope. You may not feel it, but it is still there. You may not sense it, but it is still there. The provider of that is the one who went to the darkest place and shone his light is the one who carried hope into despair and broke its chains the one that entered death and came out the other side, victorious. Jesus Christ died on a cross and three days later broke the chains of death and sin and despair so that his people could always have hope. My hope isn't grounded in a theology. It's not grounded in an idea. It's grounded in a person who died and was buried and three days later rose again and will never die, will never face death again. I'll never have to go to his funeral. I'll never have to say goodbye to him. I will never be abandoned by him. I will never be left by him. Everyone else could leave me. Everything else could fall apart. He never will. 
a hope that keeps on giving day by day, giving me the courage to start again, the courage to forgive myself. I wonder how you are feeling tonight. Maybe you're feeling hopeless. Maybe you're feeling trapped. Maybe you're feeling powerless. But don't you realize, friend, that there's a power in hope? There's a power that gives you the ability to start again. There's a power that gives you the ability to stand even when everything tells you that you should fall over. There's a power that gives you the ability to fight. I love the Northern Ireland character. I think there's a wee bit of in our spirits that we should never lose. Do you know what I mean by that? It's a profoundly strong definition. That It's an ability to get up again. It's ability to stand again. It's an ability to say, I am not going to let this destroy me. I've seen it happen again and again and again and again and again. But even in the strongest personality, that can go. But with Jesus Christ abiding in our hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit, he gives us something that gives us the ability to get up again. His Spirit's presence within our hearts. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm not a very strong man. People sometimes don't believe me when I say that, but it is true. And I'm actually not a very confident man. In all the years that I've been preaching, every time I stand behind a pulpit, I feel sick. Always. Doesn't matter whether it's two or thousands, I get on my knees or in my head, I say to God, I can't do this. And every single time, I have never preached the same sermon twice. So in my records, in my archives, I have about 22,000 sermons. Nobody's ever going to read them. I don't know why I keep them. So at least 22,000 times I've said to God, I can't do this. You would think at 22,001, you'd stop unless God doesn't want me to. Unless the best place to live is a place of dependency all the time where you stand with your weakness and your frailty and your uncertainty and your insecurity and say, I'll get up again, but only if you're there. I'll fight again, but only if you help me. I'll step into the fray again, but only if you are with me. I'm not moving unless you're there. I'm convinced that some people tonight need the hope to stand again. I'm convinced that some need the hope to fight again. You need to stop taking the stuff that's thrown at you and stand up and say, no, no more. Some need the hope to believe that you can be changed. Some need the hope to see a different future. Some need the hope to understand that you can be transformed. Some need the hope to release that pain, that heartbreak, that loss, that sadness, that mistake, that despair that has been spoken over you or you've felt yourself or you've created. Some need hope to forgive, but we all need hope somehow. 
And some of us need hope to keep going. You don't need to know precisely what is happening or exactly where everything is going, Thomas Merton once wrote. All you need to do is recognize possibilities and challenges offered by the present moment and embrace them with courage and faith and hope. I buried a woman this week. Her name was Sandra. And their family felt pretty hopeless. And I said to them, You don't need hope for tomorrow. You don't even need hope for tonight. You need hope for the next 15 minutes. And after those 15 minutes, you need hope for another 15 minutes. And then another 15 minutes, and then another 15 minutes. And you'll get to the end of your day and be able to go to bed and say, we get through this. And when you wake up tomorrow morning, you'll have to do the same thing again. And slowly over time, the 15 minutes will become 20 and the 20 will become 25. And you'll discover that you can walk through life. I think there are some of us here tonight or watching online and you think you can't get out of this situation because you're looking at it in the longer term. Just have hope for the next breath. Just say to God, get me through these 15 minutes. Particularly those of you that have lost loved ones or are going through trauma of illness or sickness or uncertainty. Do not try to do something that you weren't designed to do. Ask God to give you hope for the next 15 minutes. And then the next 15, and then the next 15. I'm not a person who uses flowery language, but the Holy Spirit is settling on this gathering. And he is speaking life into people's hearts. And right now, some of you can feel a whole wave of emotion rising up in your souls from across ages because you've been carrying this sense of hopelessness deeply rooted in you and it almost feels like it's a geezer that's going to erupt. God is undoing something in your soul. As you listen to the word being preached and you hear of a hope that goes beyond the grave, God is undoing a knot in your stomach. And he's saying, you've been trying to look far too long. You've been taking far too long of you. All you need to do is let me get you through these next 15 minutes. And I can do that. And you can let me do that. The power of hope that changes our circumstances and helps us to realize that it's not always gonna be like this, that God is at work, that there's a better story, that there's a different day, that there's a new paragraph, that there's another season, whatever image you need to use, 
But God is here to give you that. And we can live in that. We can walk in that. We can survive in that. But we can do more than that. We can thrive in that kind of hope. We can get up again. We can ask God again. We can start again. Christian hope is never undone because God is not done yet. The hope planted in our souls by the Holy Spirit has one aim, one destination in your life. If you will let it be planted, that you will see him face to face. That you will one day be like him. That you will be part of a movement that will see the face of the earth change. That your contribution, your words, your actions, your intentions, your decisions can bring hope to a hopeless world. Herein lies one of the greatest enigmas of the gospel. Not only that God loves you or me, I mean, the greatest enigma is that he would love me. But even greater than that is that God could take the meager words, the paltry life, the broken sentences and faltering ideas of any human being, let alone Malcolm Duncan, and use them to contribute to the world becoming different. In the 1970s, the American sociologist Eric Fromm said, the greatest need in the world is not to be loved. It's an awful lot of what the gospel in modern churches is preached. You're loved, you're loved, you're loved, you're loved, you're loved, you're loved. It sometimes feels like just one big loving. Here's what Fromm said, and I think he's right. The greatest need in the human heart is not just to know that you are loved, but to know that your love can make a difference in the life of another human being. What, my love from my broken, fractured background can make a difference? Your love can change the world if you will give it to God. My words, my story, my faltering decisions, it's a remarkable thing. You are not only invited to receive hope, but to share it to become an ambassador of it, a herald of hope that announces to the world, to your neighbors, to your friends, to your work colleagues, your story isn't over yet. This community isn't finished yet. This school doesn't need to close now. There's something else that we can do. In his book, The Audacity of Hope, the American president, Barack Obama, said the best way To not feel hopelessness is to get up and do something. Don't wait for good things to happen to you. If you go out and make some good things happen, you will fill the world with hope. You will fill yourself with hope. And it doesn't matter whether that good thing is making German biscuits or sending a letter or putting a whole load of chicken goujons in a fryer. We can contribute to something better. Many gospel messages end with an invitation for you to know that you're loved, but that's not the end of the gospel. Know that you are loved, know that you are forgiven, know that Christ offers you new life, and know that through you, that life can come to other people. I invite you to become part of the greatest movement of hope the world has ever seen. 
Long before the NHS was looking after sick people in the United Kingdom, long before there was a free service, there were hundreds of thousands of people that were caring for the sick and visiting them day in and day out. That would be the church. Long before there was universal education in the United Kingdom and children had a right to go to school, there were thousands and thousands and thousands of teachers and helpers and instructors and encouragers that were helping kids get a better future. That would be the church. Long before there were governments to fund universities and to help people discover learning, there were a group of people felt that it was important for people to reach their potential. That would be the church. Tonight across the United Kingdom, do you know who the greatest provider of youth service is? The church. Do you know who the people are that are housing the homeless more than anybody else by a clear country mile across the United Kingdom? Oh, the church. Do you know who's Rehab programs work better than anybody else's and I'm not talking about a 60% success rate compared to a, a 20% success rate. I'm talking about a national average of success rates being around 20% compared to a success rate of 97%. That'll be the church. Do you know who is best at providing debt advice and getting people out of indebtedness and into a better life? The church. Do you know who was inspired to lead and begin food banks so that millions of food parcels are given out every day across the United Kingdom? Christians. This hope message is a message that keeps on giving. Don't buy into the publicity that says that the church is just a, a load of old fogies that are doing nothing. It's not true. That the gospel doesn't change lives. For every sad story here in the United Kingdom or here in Northern Ireland of communities that are riven apart by religion, I could show you communities that are knit together by the grace of Jesus. I could show you men and women who behind the scenes help people who hate each other find one another again, who invested in marriages, who walked alongside the broken, who looked after those that were at the bottom of the pile. Hope is a thing that keeps on giving. You might think, well, I've run out of hope. Well, can I invite you to run into him again? Jesus Christ stands here this evening ready to give you life, ready to forgive your sin, ready to clean your slate, ready to take that burden, ready to help you. All you need to do is invite him. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, that you are present by the power of your Holy Spirit. And that there's no one online or in this room who is beyond your hope. That you stand in this room with open hands, ready to receive all who will come to you. Ready to embrace those that have made so many mistakes that they think they can't get up again. For the women who feel useless, for the men who feel useless, come by your spirit, Lord, and speak into lives and hearts, hearts in this community. Would you breathe your life into each of us that we might share your hope with others? For those that have never known you, for those that have never experienced you, 
whose lives are like those broken shards scattered across the floor, would you come by your spirit? Would you touch them? Even now, would you begin to open their hearts to fresh possibilities? To those who feel hopeless online or here, Heavenly Father, would you bring hope? Would you lift the weight of despair, I pray in Jesus' name? Move across this room, Lord. Opening hearts and souls to you. And give people the ability to trust you, to lay their mistakes, their burdens, their failures, their anxieties at your feet. And let the power of Jesus set people free. Oh God, would you have your way amongst us? Would you change lives? Would you lift burdens? Would you give courage to people? If you need Jesus Christ, don't put it off. Every week we've seen people coming to a living faith in Jesus. Who would like to become a Christian tonight? Let me see your hand, please. No one else is looking, just me. You've nothing to be afraid of. Put your hand up and then take it down again so that I can pray for you. I'm not trying to embarrass you. Thank you. Who else? I don't prolong appeals, but there's someone else here. Where are you? Lord, give them courage. Give them courage. Let them hear your voice. Let them respond. Just put your hand up so I can see it. Looking all the way around the room. Nothing to be afraid of. Thank you. What a wonderful saviour we have. And what about those of you that are here and you've got lost, you feel hopeless, you, you follow Jesus, but you know you need to get things right with him and you need his help and his grace and his mercy. And you just need him to give you hope tonight. You need him to touch you by the power of the Holy Spirit. He's present to help you. He's present to give you courage again. If that's you, put your hand up, would you? Thank you, thank you. You can take it down again. Who else? Thank you. Hallelujah.
Who else? I'm only giving you this moment so that you can say on that night I did this. Thank you. Father, would you come as we move into this last section of our service and by the power of your spirit give courage and confidence and hope to those who feel so broken or so in need of your grace tonight. I pray for those that have made a decision to follow you, Lord. Would you give them courage? Would you give them joy in their soul again? Would you help them to sing again? Would you open their hearts to all that you could do in their lives? Would you take them on a journey of restoration where you clean away the sorrow, where you clean away the despair and you, you place joy and purpose in their lives again? And for all that have responded to you and are responding to you now, and I know there will be many online or here, Lord, by your grace and by your mercy, would you speak into lives and we will give you the praise and the glory and the honor and the thanks because you're worthy. In Jesus' name, amen.